Sedgwick traveled a lot, often on the spur of the moment, which meant not only booking his flights, hotels, and rental cars, but also salving patients who had to be canceled at the last minute. Most of his trips were to San Francisco, where he often met with others at the Light Path Psychiatric Clinic, about which she knew little except that it demanded a great deal of his time. Her dusky complexion and last name testified to her Hispanic-American heritage, mother American, father Puerto Rican, no siblings, and half a degree in business administration. Lack of money had led to dropping out of school after her sophomore year. Her hair was so black and dense that it might have been mistaken for a high-priced wig. She was just a few sit-ups and fast-food meals away from sliding into overweight. On this morning, she had arrived at the office at 8.30, a little earlier than usual, and had settled at her desk in the reception room. It was a good job. Dr. Sedgwick was generous with pay and gifts. The office suite was at the rear of the building. She would have preferred an office at the front, where larger windows let in more light and afforded a view across Virginia Avenue. The few times she had brought it up, Sedgwick had explained that the building's rear was quieter, a better setting for seeing patients. It wasn't her place to debate it, and so she didn't. Still, it would have been nice to be in the front, except for this morning. The two detectives entered the area, and one flashed his badge. This is Dr. Sedgwick's office? he asked. Yes. Having two detectives arrive unexpectedly unnerved Betty, and the quiver in her voice mirrored it. Is something wrong? she asked. I'm afraid so, ma'am. You work for Dr. Sedgwick? Yes, I'm his receptionist. I'm afraid there's been an accident. To the doctor? Yes, ma'am. Were you expecting him this morning? Yes, I saw that he was running a little late, but is he ill? He was struck by a car in front of the building, ma'am. He's dead. She burst into tears as the door opened and the morning's first patient, a heavily made-up middle-aged woman wearing a tight beige pantsuit and huge gold hoop earrings that bounced off her shoulders, entered. She looked at the sobbing Betty, then at the two men in suits. What's happened? she asked. There's been an accident, ma'am. I have an appointment with Dr. Sedgwick. Betty, what's going on? Dr. Sedgwick is... Her sobs muffled her words. I'm afraid you'll have to leave, said a detective. The doctor won't be seeing patients today. Confusion was written all over the woman's face. She started to ask more questions, but took a hint from his stern expression and left. When she was gone, one of the detectives perched on the edge of Betty's desk. He placed a hand on her shoulder and said, I know this is a shock to you. Do you think you can pull yourself together to answer some questions? I... I think so. A few tissues later, and a trip to the bathroom to splash cold water on her face, she returned. We'll need a list of the doctor's patients, said a detective. A list? I can't give you that. 
I know, I know, there's doctor-patient confidentiality involved. But it appears that what happened to the doctor might not have been an accident. The driver, she left the scene, might have deliberately struck him. I would summon to that. Can we have a list? No. I mean, I'd get in trouble if I did that. We can get a warrant. He knew that few judges would issue a warrant for a doctor's patient list based upon the assumption that the doctor might have been a victim of a crime, but the threat sometimes worked. It didn't.